0: Hello and welcome to the Surface Tension Podcast. My name is Alex. My co host over here is Craig. We are going to be exploring deep questions and looking for deep answers to spiritual questions and questions about life in general. We're happy to have you here. And here we go.
1: Hi, welcome to our podcast. Alex, you ready for the question? I sure hope so. What do you do when you stub your toe? You stub your toe. You, you you kick it. It's not just a little, oh, there was a little pebble. But you, you give it a good one. You rock it against a, a wall or a corner or something.
0: I broke my toe on my birthday this past year. I woke up early to take the dog out. And then on my way back, I missed a step and basically soccer kicked Ooh. a concrete curb. Ooh. It was at like five in the morning, so I didn't yell out of respect for my neighbors. Yes. But boy, was that a whole lot of pain. Okay. um, And, and so
1: if it wouldn't have been five in the morning, can you can you share with us your thoughts? <laughs> can you give us a PG-13 of the, the thought map that you experienced?
0: I would probably fire out the words, ah, son of a bitch, bastard. <laughs> that would be almost verbatim what I would say.
1: And that's the PG-13 version. So thank you for that. Correct. (laughs) That's good. Okay. (laughs) And all right. So we get the initial shock and anger out. Then what? How do you process from there?
0: Well, I didn't go see a doctor. And about a month ago, I was at the beach and this girl said, why does one of your big toes look like a thumb? And I was (laughs) like, oh, man, I just didn't take care of this. But I beat myself up a little bit. I was like, ah, oh, I should have known better. I shouldn't have done that. I I know where I live. I know where the steps are. That was idiotic. So yeah. I beat myself up.
1: Yeah. It's inter- Isn't it interesting how when bad things happen to us, um, bad things happen in culture, usually people go one of two directions, right? They either get mad at, well, maybe three. They get mad at themselves. That's one option. Um, they get mad at God. Ah! Why didn't you remind me <laughs> that that was there? Or they can get mad at other people, right? Mm-hmm. They can, ah, who's the idiot that put that there, right? Sure. Civil engineering at its worst. What's the healthiest way to be processing the stub toe, the lost job, the runaway dog, the depleting 401k? <laughs> you You add whatever... It is the pain that's kind of in a present circumstance um, to that. What's the best way to process that in a healthy way?
0: Probably none of the above. I don't know what answer D of none of the above looks like. It seems like there's pitfalls to each one of them, right? There's some
1: lies, assumptions, and pitfalls to each one of those. And if we had time, we could probably identify and flush out which each one of them would be, right? The lie and the pitfall of, ah, it's my fault. It's like, well, there's an assumption that I should always know well enough to keep my toe from hitting anything around me. And that's not a good assumption because we're human. And so um, there are some lies and some pitfalls what do we what do we do with that though? How can we move towards health Because I think a lot of people can relate to being in a situation in life where they're all right yeah, you know what Ooh, there's a lot of challenging circumstances. We had a barbecue with some people the other night that we didn't know well, and we heard stories of wayward teenagers husbands who died of massive heart attacks in the middle of the night um, just some really hard life what a stories. barbecue well, it was quite, well, and I don't, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I do ask some questions. And so sometimes my questions create space for authentic sharing. Yeah. You're <laughs> on the think, business end of
0: an overshare more often than most.
1: <laughs> they we're planning on coming to a barbecue to share some of their deepest significant life stories, but what a beautiful opportunity just to meet people in crucial moments of, of their story. Right. Um,
0: Well, we were talking about Paul in prison before we started recording. Could I have stubbed my toe and been like, God, you are good. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't seem like a natural response necessarily.
1: But yet Paul was in prison, beaten, and they were singing hymns at midnight, right? And so maybe he was beaten at 1130 and he had a little time to go. Ah, that's smart. um, But there still seemed to be a fundamental difference in his operating system, right? What he thought about himself, the world and God. When, again, those, those three things.
0: The glory of God in my relationship with him is far more beautiful than any pain I could experience in this world.
1: You You need to say that again, because that is, um, there's, The Hebrew word for um, glory is kavod, which means weightiness. And there's some weightiness to what you just said that needs to be reset. So please re-say that.
0: The glory of God outweighs anything we can experience in this physical world. That's so tough to hold on to with, I would say, intense regularity. I can access that thought in moments, but to have that woven throughout my very being all day, every day, that's something I'm working towards. Yeah, I'm coming up pretty short on that. Get in a car wreck and be like, this doesn't hold a candle to you, God.
1: Well, it's interesting because where you're taking us is forward and not backward, because the stub toe blaming, I'm an idiot, God's an idiot, civil engineer's an idiot, are all looking backwards and all looking at blame. And what you're doing is saying there is something larger, higher, wider, more important than finding a culprit here, and that is the glory of God, the weightiness of God, his, his deserving of our praise, regardless of the story that's being written in our lives.
0: Wasn't it Buddha who said that life is suffering?
1: Well, I don't know about Buddha, but I know Jesus said in this world <laughs> you will have trouble. <laughs> that was expected. And even Paul in Romans chapter 5, he has this—let me just read this. I'm yeah, sorry, go I just got to read this. Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. So we have this beautiful, we've been justified by faith, by grace, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. How does that hit you?
0: easier said than done.
1: Yes. And I had to look up in the old commentary what is what, what okay what, what is that? We rejoice in the hope. Okay, I can kind of get that of the glory of God, the hope of the glory of God. I didn't quite get that. And I did did some digging and what I found was that there is a glory of God that is designed to be coming through every single one of us. <laughs> that's, that's that's designed And that's the hope that Paul was talking about here, that there's this unbelievable joy that comes when we understand the hope of God living in us and through us for his pleasure, for his magnification.
0: How many people think that thought on a daily basis, though?
1: Well, I think it's entirely possible to read this passage and not still think that thought. And forgive Fair me. Point. Forgive me. There have been many seasons of my Bible reading where I've been reading the Bible to read the Bible instead of reading the Bible to connect with the Father and to connect with His purpose with my life. To and until we really pause and stop and go, oh wait a minute, I'm. I want to lean into this a little bit. What does it mean, the glory of God? And we understand. Westminster Shorter Catechism, question number one, what is the aim of man? What is the chief aim? Why are we here? Answer, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That is why we are here. First and foremost, I don't even know how many questions and answers are in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, but we could probably stop there, right? Mm-hmm. My goal today, my cosmic God-given purpose today is to glorify him and enjoy him today.
0: Gosh, how do you tell that to a fentanyl junkie in San Francisco? How do you help people not just hear that, but feel that? That's the big question. I don't know if I have a good answer for that.
1: No, and I agree with you that sometimes words don't communicate what we're hoping to, what we can, and to create an experience of the that truth is very different. I think encountering someone who understands that glorifying God is the most important thing in their life that day has a huge and profound impact.
0: Well, how many ways are there to glorify God? Is there a right way to do it?
1: Well, again, that's why I think this is such a beautiful conversation and a tricky one, because getting back to the Hebrew kavod, it's weightiness. Where where can I give God more weight in my life? Where can I give him more of my emotional attention, my thought attention, my mental, spiritual focus? That's, that's glory. And I don't think it's necessarily let's all become hermits because I think that misses the mark of God's glory in community, God's glory in you and through you, serving other people. All right, let's say hermit hermit Billy Joe Bob is all of a sudden really doing a great job of glorifying God. How is he going to bless that meth addict in San Francisco? He won't. He's sequestering himself to the point where that will never be experienced by someone else.
0: How would you say you most regularly glorify God in a way that might not be obvious to your average person? Because somebody could say, oh, I read the Bible, I pray, I sing. What is one of your best ways to glorify God that somebody might not even pick up on?
1: Well, it's a very good question. I don't know if I have a great answer, so I will probably just...
0: I know uh, the answer that I have for you. Okay.
1: Why don't you share that? Because I was going to meander around the mall for a while, so why don't you share with me?
0: You look at people. You notice people. That is so rare. That is so rare. Yeah, you see people. And that is so fundamental and powerful. But I think people would be going to the extra credit questions before they're even writing their name on the paper. And it's those little things... Of connecting with people, asking them questions that communicate, I care enough about you to ask you about the stuff that matters to you, I think that glorifies God in a huge way, especially when people have been really struggling in this world. When you greet people with a smile and people see that there's still a whole lot of good in the world, where does that good come from, it's not coming as a product of Craig Morris, it's coming from God, Holy Spirit, love of Jesus, relationship with Jesus. I think you glorify God before you even say a word, and you are a moving reminder through the world that there is still good left in it. How about that?
1: Oh, thank you. I I appreciate that. And that's partially true because I'm also human. And there are times where we don't do that. I I guess part of me is wondering, do we glorify God most um, in our private life or in our public life? And I I wonder if it's just both because I went first and foremost to that quiet time in the morning where I sit and I look out my back window and i just try to focus on him and just try to give him the proper space in my morning and this is in this moment there's nothing more important and it it seems like when that happens he seems to start infiltrating my day with with that because he becomes most important at 9 a.m. and then 11 a.m. and and 1 p.m. And it, it's kind of a fun journey. But getting back to Paul, I love what you talked about with the Apostle Paul and just kind of this ability to to rejoice through a difficult circumstance. He was glorifying God in all of his circumstances. It didn't matter if he was chained to a prison guard and he was sharing Jesus with him or if he was out teaching If he was on a ship in the middle of a storm, reassuring sailors, hey, you're not going to die. God's going to take care of us. And there's a wonderful comparison in the Old Testament to the person that didn't quite get it right, and that was Jonah. Because both both Jonah and Paul in Hebrew school probably would have gotten the same high marks on their God test. Well, high them to that. There you go. (laughs) Um, God is is God good? Yes. Powerful? Yes. Loving? Yes. They they both intellectually understood who God is. Paul had a fundamentally different operating system than Jonah. If Paul says, if God says, "Come to Macedonia, I want you to come and share share me with the people here," Paul says, "I'm on. Yeah. Next boat. Here I come." Jonah says, yeah, I'm going to get on the next boat too, but go in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Paul didn't look at the people around him as his enemies, even the people who were persecuting him. The Romans who were holding him captive for years in prison, he didn't look at them as his enemy.
0: I mean, do we hear stories about Paul if he breaks out of prison in a flurry of snapping necks maybe maybe (laughs) not but he's not the powerful figure just like jesus is a very different figure because he could have called down legions of angels and said i am going to take you all out and you will know that i am the lord by my power and my immensity rather than by knowing god by his love
1: yes So the most fundamental, most important question we can ask right now is what is the difference between Paul's operating system and Jonah's operating system? Jesus. Okay.
0: Unless you have a different answer. That would be my answer right off. I'm shooting from the hip there.
1: Go. Play with that.
0: Well, Jesus is the experiential access point that I think all of us need to really get in touch with God because God is almost too big and too great to— understand without Jesus and I think how do you how do we understand God and his love properly if not for Jesus yeah. it would be tricky and it might be more yes. abstract
1: I love that and and I hope you're right I that would it would be beautiful boy if if Jonah somehow knew who Jesus was and what he has done for him I'm hoping he would have jumped on that first ship and gone where he was supposed to, unfortunately, and I'm going to get a little critical here. I've seen a whole culture of Christians in America that seem to be functioning more like Jonah than Paul. And that's disappointing. More concerned about personal comfort, wanting to know a God of love for me, but no, not those people. Mm. Are you kidding me? God, I know I know you were going to forgive them, and that's why I didn't want to tell them about you. It's almost Jonah's exact words. And it's challenging and sad to me at the same time. I've written many times in my journal, I am Jonah. <laughs> I am Jonah. I care more about personal comfort and ease than the salvation of the people around me. I, I am Jonah, 100%. I'm trying to become but so, more like that's Paul. that's
0: very human. That's There's yes. something human about that, and I don't think we should hammer ourselves to a pulp okay. over that impulse. That doesn't mean we stay there, but I think that impulse in itself isn't necessarily the right. whole story.
1: Right, and I agree with you. We need to understand there's we are humans and we are on a journey and if we're moving in the right direction if we're on the commute from Jonah to Paul then then we just probably need to keep pedaling and it's
0: a nice book title from Jonah to Paul <laughs>
1: um the concern i have is that both Jonah and Paul knew who god was Paul loved the way god was Jonah did not Jonah did not like the way God was being God.
0: Hmm. Paul could embrace the uncertainty of his circumstance. And that's something a lot of us jettison from, is... And it's kind of putting ourselves above God if we want to know the whole roadmap and say, No, I'm the omniscient one. I know the Yes. I actually know the path. God, yes. you're actually the one who's screwing up my exactly. roadmap.
1: We do. And you know what? You hit it right on the head. So much of our missteps and the things that are glitchy in our operating system come from our just wanting to be God. Jonah wanted to be God. He he he's like, God, I know the way you're wired. These people don't deserve you nor your forgiveness. Wow. Okay. As if Jonah was in a place that he could really make that decision. I mean, back to you and your toe, right? What if God needs a thumbs up from someone on their foot? Who is he going to (laughs) call? Right?
0: Well, what if he needed me to slow down for a couple days, skip the gym so I could get more into the word? Or what if I just had to sit on the grass rather than run around and that made for some conversations that were really important that I don't even think about, but maybe it helped nudge somebody in a direction that they otherwise wouldn't have gone.
1: Yes. You know, I love that. And I'm, we're not saying, Oh, you stub your toe and you're like, skippity do da.' <laughs> Who am I going to share Jesus with today? Right? It's Paul has this beautiful verse and he says, um, oh, And he uses a double negative, which is kind of funny, but he says we don't grieve like people without hope, which is kind of funny. I like that. So we kind of reverse that out and tweak it a little bit, and we say "We, we can grieve as people who have hope. So when we lose the job, when the teenager is wayward, when the spouse dies, when the dog runs away, Is it okay to be sad and grieve, Phil? Yes.
0: Gosh, what an interesting step to add to the grieving process. The final step, most people think it's acceptance, but what if the final step was hope? Mm. And,
1: or maybe even what if hope was the thread through every single stage of that grieving process. Yeah. So there we have it. Circumstances... (sighs) They come. We don't like that. In this world, you're going to have trouble, right? How do we navigate that? Are we going to blame ourselves? Are we going to blame God? Are we going to blame other people? Or is it possible for us to move towards a a higher calling, a different vision?
0: And be okay not being able to effectively read the map yeah. in certain junctures. Yes our maps are sideways and upside down and yes. all we want to do is say, no, I'm the navigator. I got this. But yes. to be able to just put the map down and be like, well, Jesus is driving the car. I think, I think I'm going to end up where I need to be. Yes. In my furious attempts to try to steer I, a, I'm not in the driver's seat and B, I can't even read the map effectively. Yes. You ever seen a kid trying to read, an old school map, not GPS. You have no idea what's going on. I remember going on road trips <laughs> with my family and trying to read the oh, map. It's so and good. I was more obsessed with the topography than I was the roads, and I made for a terrible navigator.
1: Yeah. Boy, so many things we can just look at in the Bible and the lives of these people who walked with Jesus. And I, I'm thankful for a person like the Apostle Paul that walked well with Jesus. I'm thankful for a person like Tim Keller who seemed to walk well with Jesus and share with us a wisdom, a different operating system, a different way of moving through this world, more like Paul than Jonah.
0: Is hope a choice?
1: You know I like to answer questions with questions. I think for the sake of time, I'm just going to say... I don't think so because if if hope, let's play with it just for a minute, okay? Yeah. If hope is a choice, we've made it a, a philosophical concept outside of ourself. We've depersonalized it. Hope it's something ethereal. It's something that is out there. If hope is a person. If if hope is Jesus, and everywhere Jesus is, there is hope. If. If joy is a person, and it's Jesus, and everywhere Jesus is, there's joy. If peace is a person, and everywhere Jesus is, there's peace, then is it a choice? If, if, that, if, if it's relational, if hope is relational, peace is relational, joy is relational, is it a choice? Maybe, but it's not to convince ourselves of a concept. It's to draw close to a person. How's that hitting you?
0: Slam dunk, tomahawk. You just threw it off the backboard and jammed it home. <laughs> that's That's Oh, you're fine. Oh, no, no, I mean that in all sincerity. That's That's how Paul was approaching hope and rejoicing in his circumstance. He didn't love the bars. He didn't love the walls of the prison. That's not what he was thankful for. He didn't manufacture his hope in the abstract like you were saying. He didn't will himself into it. He was loved by Jesus and Jesus loved him back. he was loved by jesus he loved jesus in return this world does have prison like features it really it does. does absolutely culturally yes economically politically yes yes there are invisible walls that we find ourselves on the wrong side of and it does feel restricting and uncomfortable and Offensive and annoying. The list goes on. And most prisons that exist are really fundamentally built in sin, right? Wouldn't you say?
1: You're talking about personal prisons, not San Quentin, right?
0: That's correct. <laughs> not talking about Folsom.
1: Oh. Uh- built you're saying built in but built in sin or built in sin just want to kind of hear
0: (laughs) no we live in a sinful world and those sins become our shackles both for ourselves and for other people you can see our world descending into disorder and a kind of restrictive shackled and goofy place that doesn't make sense it's some odd spiritual circus by virtue of the sins that some people are pursuing with reckless abandon. And so if we're living in this prison of our own and other people's sins, then the only way that we can navigate that prison is through that hopeful and loving relationship with Jesus. And until somebody finds uh, another way That seems like the way to do it, and to do it with a lightness and joy and singing and celebrating. It's odd to see people smile and rejoicing and celebrating in what feels like a tumultuous world. I get very hung up on all of these odd things going on in the world. Yes. But to put it more in a Paul yes. perspective and say, okay, so the prison's different, yes. but the solution's the same.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's very good. You know, my wife, she shared with me, she had, what she thought was not a great dream. Not quite a nightmare, but just not a great dream. <laughs> she shared it with me in the morning, and I hope she won't be angry with me for sharing this with everyone, but... um. I have a tendency of trying to love people and sometimes I pick up strays along the way (laughs) and she, her dream was I came home and there was two elderly women and I said, Hey, I met these two elderly women and they didn't have a place to stay. I was having coffee at Panera and they, so they're going to stay with us. (laughs) And she's like, what? The house is already full. (laughs) You've already brought some strays back. We don't have any room. What are we going to do with them?
0: Right. What a dream. And
1: she thought that was not necessarily uh, position A on the golf course, but I was tickled by that. (laughs) You know, I love that my wife knows my heart for the strays (laughs) to say, ah, you know what? Jesus loves you. Why wouldn't I? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's incredible.
1: So we start with circumstances, and we've been all over the map, but
0: man, we I, I love this.
1: I love doing this with you. It's super fun, and hopefully you have enjoyed, picked something up in this uh, co- coffee conversations that we have all the time. We also want to thank Go Ministry International, that they're faithful supporters to this podcast, and it's by their support that we're able to continue to do these things and bless not only you, but all of the listeners who are able to listen to Surface Tension and not just be intrigued or not just be inspired, but hopefully be compelled to lean into Jesus more and to lean into the people around us with more love. So thank you for joining us today. Have
0: a great day. And if you enjoyed this, the highest compliment that you can really give is sharing this with somebody and starting a conversation and getting coffee with somebody as well or sharing a meal, staying connected and asking good questions that bring us out of the prison and closer to God and closer in relationship with Jesus and other people and being a light for those around us who desperately need it. We all need that hope in our lives. So have a blessed rest of your day. And uh, if you feel so compelled, please share this.